Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry I'm late. The train's Shut up! You're here! And good thing, because we've got lots of work. It's Employee of the Month with Katie Lazarus, the talk show featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And this show is all about careers. And I am just so ecstatic to bring you my interview with um, Michael McKean. He, um, you you recognize him if you don't even realize you recognize him because he's been in over 250 at least productions. I'm not even including the plays and pilots that didn't get off the ground that were shot. I'm just talking about the ones you've seen from the X-Files and Laverne and Shirley and This Is Spinal Tap and A Mighty Wind. And he even plays the song he won a Grammy for in an Academy Award nomination. He performs it live with his wife, Annette O'Toole, who you may recognize from Smallville, um, Superman, so many, so many places. Um, but I, I just have never met uh, an actor who was sort of equally dexterous at musical comedy as he is at comedy as he is at drama and I think part of his success has to do with his uh, ability to be a chameleon I mean truly a chameleon and at the same time he does have his own vision I mean he's a really intelligent human being and could clearly do something else outside of acting. I mean, some people really can only do what they do, which is not a small feat um, to say Rodin shouldn't have been doing what he was doing <laughs> or Picasso, but I wouldn't, I'm guessing I wouldn't put Picasso in, in charge of your taxes. And I think that Michael McKean, whatever he wanted to have done, if he wanted to be an accountant, he could have been a good one. And um, he just had more passion uh, for music and acting and he's so talented at it and that's also why he's had such a prolific career um but it is you'll see you'll listen what do you mean you'll see you'll hear you'll hear and then you'll imagine that you're seeing him um and you must imagine the locks that i'm talking about this guy had some really nice locks he could have been doing shampoo commercials he could be a millionaire right now instead he's doing really good shows uh like better call saul So here's my interview, and you get to hear two fabulous songs with the one and only Michael McKean. This was um, recorded live at Joe's Pub, and his wife, Annette O'Toole, came down from previews for a sold-out run at the public um, for a play that's coming up. I would say what it is, but like you and I can't get tickets, so why should we get too excited? All right, you can get excited about this. Enjoy our interview. Uh, this was written about 35 years ago. I performed it on a, a, a series called Laverne and Shirley. One ending. It's called Milwaukee Moon. One, two, three, four. Milwaukee Moon. Creeping across the sky I've been such a lonely guy But I can spend this moonlit night with you Milwaukee moon Here's a big hello And take it from a girl I know And say I'll be there soon Milwaukee moon 
violets are blue My heart was too But not anymore Cause I've been a brand new man Since you shone through my door Thank you boys Milwaukee moon When you're on the rise I can see my baby's eyes And she can hear my tune Milwaukee moon Bright ivory white Will light the night And show me the way With every step I take Until the break of day Milwaukee moon Here's a big hello And take it to a girl I know And say I'll be there soon Milwaukee moon Thank you, Michael McKean! Thank you, Andrew Bancroft, Rob Joss. Well, hello. Hi. Hi, Katie. <laughs> Thanks for the invite, Toots. Um, thank you for coming. Um, I wanted to, to hear, did you meet David Lander, who was your, you know, everyone knows from, from Lenny and Squiggy on the yeah, Lynn and Shirley yeah. first, or did no, you no, meet no. Christopher Guest first? Uh, no, I met David uh, uh, when we were at college together. And um, we were painting a chair together the day we met. Uh, I went to Carnegie, which is now called Carnegie Mellon. Um, it was called Carnegie Tech at the time. I also went to NYU uh, before it was Tisch. So people don't start giving large amounts of money until I'm gone. So the Mellon money came in after I left to Carnegie. And the Tisch money, you know that story. So, uh, but we were painting a chair together because all uh, uh, freshman actors have to go be on the crew. And um, it, we thought each other were very funny, and we became good friends, and we created those characters actually there in those dorms just to keep ourselves from doing any work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'd been doing those characters about nine years before Laverne and Shirley started. And then we kept doing them, you know, uh, when we needed to. And uh, then I met, I met Chris uh, at NYU, actually, in 67. And, and he we was were, your roommate? He was my roommate for a time. I was, uh, I was living with a girl, uh, don't be shocked, <laughs> and uh, it was over on 7th Street and 2nd Avenue, $80 a month. It's still about that rate, I'm, I'm imagining. <laughs> and um, she went off to uh, the Guthrie in Minnesota, yeah. and um, she decided that her dad was moving in. Her dad was the model for uh, Travis Bickle, the character in Taxi Driver. <laughs> That's mean. He was a taxi driver, but he was actually a very nice man, but I didn't want to be that kind of roommate. So, um, so he got the apartment, and I moved in with my friend Chris, and, and uh, we started writing songs together, and we hung out and did silly things. And, uh, yeah, so never, never, never say goodbye finally to your roommates. They usually turn out to be very useful. <laughs> um, and I, I think I heard this from one of your interviews that Christopher Guest's uh, babysitter was Mary from Peter Paul and Mary. That's right. That's right. Mary, wow. Mary Travers babysat Christopher Guest when he was a toddler. 
So put that Must in your had... pipe and smoke it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking it had really good lullabies. Yeah, I I didn't have I didn't have anything like that kind of babysitter on no. Long Island. No, no. No. I mean, there were probably terrific babysitters who could sing their asses off on Long Island, but I I didn't know any of them. <laughs> did you did you um. I, I don't know to what extent having your dad work in the music business um, influenced you into going into music. I got a lot of free records. And, Not bad, uh, as perks yeah, go. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it depended on who was, <laughs> what label he was working at. When he was at Victor, Elvis was, was, had records out. Elvis Costello, no. Elvis Presley. Elvis Costello was a toddler himself at the time. No, it was just, yeah, I got a lot of free records. And, uh, and then he worked at Columbia and... and uh, it was, it was really just, he, he loved music. He was a big jazz buff. And of course, since that was my parents' music, I had no, no interest at all. Right. I was a purely rock and roll guy. But I learned to love jazz later on, you know, as an adult. And when did you start performing musically? I guess I was about 14. It was the middle of the folk boom. And, and you know, you, if you didn't play a sport, you got a guitar. So it's not the government didn't give you one. It's just, <laughs> it was the way you went. And uh, so I, I, yeah, I started playing the guitar and, and uh, performing with a my pals. Picture Aww. here? No, <laughs> I was much older there. I was, I was in my early thirties, I guess. Yeah. The, the, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Those locks. You had really nice, uh, luscious I know. locks. I used to have good hair. Yeah. I also that guitar was stolen, and my hair is gone. So. Jesus. So, so glad I could bring all these memories Thanks. Thanks back. Thanks for bringing that back, Katie. Really, yeah. really thrilled, thrilled to great. be the one who, who brings it all home. Yeah. Um, you got any shots of my operation? I mean, no, <laughs> of, your, of your full foot. Um, but it's healing now, right? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm okay, fine. good. You got hit. hit. You got hit by... Hmm? You were bicycling or you got hit by a... No, I was hit by a car. I was, and I have no cautionary tale. I was doing exactly what you're supposed to do. I was waiting on the, on the curb. And um, the asshole heading north... Uh, thought that the yellow light was for him to plow through, and the asshole heading south, who wanted to be an eastbound asshole, she she wanted to take the left, and they so they compromised and they hit each other, and then they plowed into me, and I was still on the curb, and so they took me out. But just in case you don't think that uh, life and the movies are are the same, they took me to the hospital in which I had been born. That's amazing. Yeah, not only that, but they took me to the floor I had been born on because. That where I was taken for my rehab, for the beginning of my rehab, uh, you know, uh, my first lie-in was uh, had been the maternity ward when, back in when I was born. So this is as close to being born again as you'll probably get. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least I was seeing the same shit out the window that I had <laughs> when I was first held up to a window. <laughs> this time you could appreciate it as yeah. the shit it is. Yeah, that's right. No, well, <laughs> a lot of it's improved. Um. <laughs> So I, I did want to ask, I'm going to jump around a little bit, if that's okay, okay just because you've sure. such a, um, not just prolific career, um, but also you have managed to be in, you're so deft at so many different things, doing improv, doing drama. Um, I wanted to ask if there was a time where you were, um, because you were so good looking, if you were, you know, the sort of heartthrob in I like where this shows. is going. Um, <laughs> I didn't know if you were ever, you know, put out for the heartthrob roles. I it was. Um... I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think I came across a little cynical. I, I um, and and I, I kind of like gravitated toward funny because you know that's kind of where I started and where people knew me from. Um, I, uh, you know, I went 
What are they whistling in? Oh, it's just They me. haven't seen it yet. Actually, Jason, you want to bring up the, the scene I'm thinking of? You don't know what I'm thinking? No. The poster, the movie poster. Medical. Oh, young, young doctors. Yes. Yeah. Hey now. All right. Hey now. That's me with Sean Young. <laughs> so freewheeling. Yeah. Young doctors in love. I know. I was, but I was kind it's of. Very the, funny, I was. I was uh, it was a silly ass movie, but I yes. was kind of the straight man. I was the one they kept. We can see know. that part. That. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> we got that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I just. I. I kind of. You know, the comedy ghetto is a lovely ghetto to be in. Yes. You know, frankly, and because uh, I think comedy is good for people. I think laughter is good for people. It's like. More fun than crunches, we know that, and it works. It works the same. Works the same area. Works the the core, really. That core and this core. It's, it's true. It's also I, I've heard you describe it as sort of the blue collar world of the. Um, you're like I don't remember saying that, so maybe um, I just heard it. But but um, I don't we're going to hear it now. It <laughs> it feels like such an affable world to be in. Like I'm I'm happy to be part of that yes. world in Hollywood. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I, I do love funny people. I'm, I adore them. A lot of people I don't, hate them. Well, I don't go, go to comedy clubs a lot. Yeah. Because when I was first starting out with The Credibility Gap, we would play those clubs sometimes. You know, we'd, yes. Har- the Credibility Gap was David Lander and Harry Shearer. And, me, and me, yeah. Uh-huh. And also Richard Beebe, uh, who was uh, the late Richard Beebe. He, um, he left the act in, in 75. But we did stuff on the radio, and we opened for, for acts, you know, for rock yeah. and roll acts and stuff. And uh, but I, you know, I, I did. We didn't spend a ton of time in comedy clubs, but um, we had your own radio show as well. Yeah, yeah. The Credibility Gap started on the radio. It was a news. It was a comical news show, satirical news show. One of my favorites is when you spoofed Tom Snyder, who was an old late That's night. Right. Host. Yeah. Well, t- Harry Shearer did a brilliant Tom Snyder. And um, we we did we did, it was a part of the act and everything. And Tom heard about it. Yes, he, and he wanted to, he wanted to see it. So he had us. He flew us to New York, and uh, and we did it on his show. We did the Tom Snyder show sketch on his show, which was really fun. You can watch it on YouTube, and you guys can let us know if you think that Tom Snyder is in on the joke or not at the end of it. Oh yeah, I yeah, know he, he is. is. He, he is. was really sweet. Yeah. He was an odd duck, though. I gotta say. I mean, he. He really was. I mean, he was uh, he was was very nice to us, and I did another piece with him one time, and it was interviewed by him one time, and he was he was very nice, but you had a there was a dark cloud over his head, and I think yeah. It's strange in the comedy world. What Tom? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I the dark that. clouds. Yeah, I had an experience at a comedy club actually, which chased me away when I wasn't active. I I, I worked uh, alone very little. I never did stand up. Um, you know, but I would work with a guitar and do songs and snappy patter, as we used to say. And um, there was a guy who was waiting to go on, and there was this guy, and people used to have a little tape recorder, and they wanted to record their act, you know. Yeah. So I was sitting at the bar waiting for my my piece. It was just an open mic thing, and so there was this there's woman up there, and she was pretty funny, you know. I she was she was okay. She was scoring okay, and I thought she was pretty funny. And the guy was just trashing her kind of under his breath. Said, what the fuck is this? Oh, look at this. Jesus Christ. You know, he was just really just trashing her. And so uh, then when he goes up, he goes up before me and he says, look, pal, would you do me a favor? Would you turn on my tape recorder when I get up there? So I said, fine, you know. And I turned on his tape recorder and through his whole set I went, what the fuck is this? 
This is the worst fucking comic I've ever seen. In my life. I so wish. I, I have no idea who he was. I hope he went home and cried. I so wish I could uh, take you home after every stand-up show. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that is interesting to hear because um, I imagine most of your solo work has been in theater essentially where you've had you know larger roles because most yeah. of the things I've seen on television have been more ensemble yeah 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 parts That's and it's true. not to say that you haven't done ensemble stuff um, right also I am going to play a clip which I'm sure you have seen a zillion times um, but it's just so funny that I couldn't help myself um, from Spinal Tap yes I have um, seen that David, seen that motion picture. Yes, so I wanted to show, show um, a clip for those of you who have not who has not seen Spinal Tap Okay, you guys just raised your hands. Can you? Can They're you, on the front row for Christ's sake. Do it sake. tonight. Oh well. Okay, can you guys say it a little louder? They're all seventeen and under. It's fine. Or, or, or from Tunisia or Palestine, <laughs> <laughs> or or Brazil. <laughs> so that's fine. Um, so Spinal Tap is a um, iconic film that has. Uh, changed comedy and uh, I would probably imagine for musicians as well but basically it, it created uh, an entire genre if not several subgenres, for comedy uh, it's also just fun is that a good way to describe it okay, okay. Uh, here's an example of what happens if you are a drummer in their band now during the flower people period who was your drummer Stumpy's replacement, Peter James Bond, he also died in mysterious circumstances. We were playing uh, a uh, festival, blues. jazz blues festival. Where was that? Well, blues, jazz, jazz, really. Blues jazz festival. It was, the, it was, the, uh, it was in the Oil, Oil, Oil of Lucy. Lucy. The yeah. Oil of Lucy. Oil of Lucy. Jazz blues festival. And uh, it was tragic, really. He exploded on stage. Just like that. He just went up. He just was like a flash of green light. And that was it. Nothing was left. It was, his face. Well, there was. It's that, true. This, this truly did happen. There was a little green globule on his drum seat. It's like a stain, really. It was, it was a small stain, stain and a globule, actually. And you know, was, several, you know, dozens of people spontaneously combust each year. It's just not really widely reported. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it still holds up. <laughs> um, you guys did 80 hours together. To, to do that film, right? Pretty Rob, Rob Reiner shot for yeah, about 40, much, 80 hours. Yeah. Did you want to clobber each other at the end of 80 hours? No, no, no. No, because it, it was just, it was really just a five week shoot. Wow. But we had spent a couple of years putting it together. Just, we, the first thing we did, we, we, we sat down and uh, we started just creating the backstory for the band so that we would all be talking about the same stuff. I mean, this band is supposed to have been together for almost 20 years yeah. and just, you know, and and uh, just with 27 different people had been in the so we needed to create all those people and where did they go and what's what's all this stuff, and we we got to about 20 percent of that. You know, most of it is just kind of hidden, but um, so we did that and then we sketched it. We got a big map of the U.S. and we said this is what the tour does. And this is this joke here. And this is a joke here. And this is a joke in Minneapolis. And then be a joke in Sacramento and you know that's that's how we would t- yeah Sacramento <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so it was there was a lot of prep work well, by the time we started doing it we were just really ready and we killed two record company uh, two uh, movie companies 
originally we got had a deal with uh, uh, Sir Lou Grade's company. Uh, he had a, an American company called Marble Arch, and they were going to do this film. They were going to produce this film for us. And while we were prepping, um, they released a movie called The Legend of the Lone Ranger and another movie the following weekend called Raise the Titanic. So they had the right boat, but going the wrong direction. (laughs) Two enormous flops. And it killed the company. And they just crawled off to die. And then, you know, we kept working on it. Maybe something will come up. And so then we we said, we had a deal with UA, and then UA got absorbed by MGM, and MGM said, no. So, you know, eventually we just kind of put it aside, but we had this demo that we had made which you can also find on the internet. It's a 20-minute demo, and it's got an unusual cast. Richard Belzer's in it. Oh, wow. Rebecca Domornay. It was the first time she was on film. Pre-risky uh, business? Oh, yeah, way, yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's really kind of... And the wigs are awful. <laughs> I mean, even worse than those. So, uh, it's part of the charm, I Yeah, think. so we had this kind of sales tool, and, and Rob just kept hacking away at it, you know, and... And uh, so finally, um, Embassy Pictures decided to do it. Embassy was being uh, run at that time uh, by uh, Norman Lear. Wow. Who Rob knew from All in the Family. And he, he said, eh, let's take a shot. It's not a very expensive movie. You shoot it in L.A., you know. And I'm talking Jewish now. Because I Norman know, but, but it was a good impression. I, I liked it. Actually, Norman it worked. Lear, Norman Lear doesn't talk anything like this. He's no. more up here. No. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so we got it made. Um, And it makes sense to me that someone with such good taste would would see something and realize how funny it is. Um, You should have him here. Okay. He could talk a dog off a meat wagon. This guy is amazing. (laughs) He's 94, and he's just awesome. Well, will you tell him? Because we've if had another 94-year-old. Yeah, yeah. If I, yeah, if, Al Jaffe. <laughs> no, I'm serious. We had Al Jaffe on, who was... Um, Al Jaffe? Yeah. A mad artist. Yeah, and he was oh brilliant. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. So he'll be in good company. Yeah. Um, you turned down SNL. I had never heard of someone doing that. Um, yeah, the three... <laughs> the three of us, after Spinal Tap, we did, we did, Spinal, we did the show uh, in 84 when the movie came out, and... Um, then after that, they, they asked us to all be in the cast. And Chris Guest and Harry Shearer said, okay. And I was just, my wife was newly pregnant. My, my then wife was newly pregnant, and we just got a new house, and it was just sort of not really the time to be running off to New York. So I, I passed, and um, yeah, but I eventually did the show in uh, 94, 95. You were the, I, the I, um, wisest member of the cast. The oldest <laughs> member. You can say that. Not anymore, though. Yes. Leslie Jones is now That's the right. oldest uh, to, to be uh, cast. Um, so, yeah, and it was really interesting. Uh, Phil Hartman was leaving the show, so they needed someone to play Clinton, which I did very poorly. Of course, following Phil it's Hartman's... It's impossible to follow. Following Phil Hartman's Clinton was absurd, you know. Yes. It's like following, well, that was the Beatles with A Day in the Life, and now right. here's Michael McKeon and his ukulele <laughs> doing A Day in the Life. It was, it was not good. You're so not I, giving yourself credit because Howard Stern loved your impression of him so much that yeah. I think he devoted 17 hours of his show. I know, yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> to how much he enjoyed yeah, your impression yeah, of him. Great. So you're being modest as, as usual. <laughs> um, 
But there is another person you followed, and I was curious. I mean, I'm sure you've taken over for many roles, but you went on in, in Broadway. I was curious, what was uh, more challenging, wearing heels for the first time or following in Harvey Fierstein's uh, oh, footsteps? Well, Harvey was definitely a force of nature. Here's, this An is amazing you. amazing guy. Is you. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Becoming a beautiful woman, I found these yeah. gorgeous photos of you. My wife d- developed a kind of disturbing crush on <laughs> on uh, Edna. Um, yeah, it was it was an enormous amount of fun. This is in Hairspray, and um, this was in 2004 that you were yeah. playing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fabulous. It was an eventful year. Character. Yeah, yeah um, it was really fun. You've done. So much theater. I, w- I just wanted to ask you, the first time I, I think you played a villain was um, when, when you got to, to play across from Brian Cranston. Is this correct? That, that was one of your first villainous roles, or is that not true? No, 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 no. Not at well, all. It was, it was kind of the first non-comical villain. I was actually kind of the go-to, you know, comical villain in a couple of... I did the Brady Bunch movie. Yes. I was where I okay, played I the anti-Brady. Yes. And, uh, yeah. That's a very funny movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. And, but and it's I, not quite I got a lot like of offers playing. to do that kind of thing. No, no, it's, it's, it's obviously silly. But, um, you know, I, being, the, the, being the bad guy, you know, and good, listen, Hoover was very complicated, you know, and uh, very powerful, and he thought he was going to live forever, and he so didn't. Yes. I think that's the biggest... He outlived LBJ, though. Yes, that's who Cranston was was playing. Yeah. uh Um, I feel like LBJ doesn't get enough credit for actually wanting the civil rights um, to happen and sort of people give Kennedy credit for it when he initially didn't. Well, it was was Kennedy who put it together, but Kennedy also... You know, for all of his other pluses, he he had a tendency to kick things down the road a little bit if if it was politics. You know, he wanted to, he did want to make peace and reach across the aisle and all that. He was very very determined to get the the civil rights package going, and when it you was know, right. yeah, and they and eventually they did. He didn't live to see it, but uh, LBJ made it happen. He did. He made a lot of made a lot of deals to make it happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, and he also, in his own way, he chased a lot of the Southern Democrats over to the Republican side of the aisle. You know, that's just one of the things. You know? I wonder where the Republicans are going to go now. Well, they don't have Strom Thurmond to kick around that's anymore. That's true. That's true. Or we don't. <laughs> Although I'd dig them up and kick them around. <laughs> if you don't choose that as a day job, I did want to talk to you. <laughs> About uh, game shows. I, I um, watched you in the $20,000 Pyramid no. with Dick Clark. No. <laughs> yes, actually. Yeah. It was $20,000. $20,000. Not the 20. I, when, when they got to 25, they said, let's not use McCain anymore. Because you were let's, winning everything. <laughs> I was doing okay. Yeah. You yeah. were doing exceptional, and you were the only person, the only million dollar winner on Celebrity Jeopardy, if yes, I have that that's correct. That's true. I did. Yeah. 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 And all of the. With the International Myeloma Foundation got a million bucks. I was very, very proud of that. Um, but I'll tell you one weird thing. One of the civilians, which as we called them, that we play, that I played against, that I played for, you know, they did the pyramid show with, was Robert Falls. Oh, wow. Who is, yeah, who just directed uh, uh, Iceman Cometh in Brooklyn last year. He's uh, extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, he's like this kind of one of the great Chicago theater guys and brilliant thing. and I had no idea and I just I met him one day and he said yeah we played the pyramid together I, said, I was so cool that was so amazing oh, he know. must have been yeah. that thrilled to be working yeah. with you with those locks yeah. with that hair um, and 
Samantha Power was an extra in a movie I did in Atlanta. Which, which movie was, it was that? It was a terrible TV movie that you will never see if you love me <laughs> called A Father's Homecoming. And oh, it was wow. really, it was so boring. But she, it, was, it took place in high school and she was a, a high school kid. I think we all know what the UN is going to be doing for their next outing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just want to play a quick clip um, from Better Call Saul because it is such a fabulous show. I'm so glad that you have a meaty part. I hope it keeps coming. And I just want, for people who haven't seen this yet, it is a spinoff from Breaking Bad. Um, Is that okay if we show a clip clip from, from your work? Howard. Morning. Delivery from McGill. What are you doing here? Uh, it's been a while. Thought I should come in and check in on you. Did I hear music? Hmm? No, no. I was just... Let me get that for you. Uh, good to see you, Howard. Oh, likewise. You are sorely missed, my friend. Uh, Don't take that as any undue pressure. Um, I'm thinking of maybe coming in for an hour or two next week. They kind of play it by ear. Well, uh, if you feel comfortable, I mean, we certainly would love to have you. We will take anything we can get. I'll figure out a day and get Ernesto to give you a heads up. That sounds great. How's Ernie working out? Uh, he's been fine for the most part. Excellent. Getting on track with the sandpiper? Moving along. Davis and Maine are uh, really pulling their weight. They better. It's a complex case. Well, it's definitely not a two-man job, that's for sure. Huh. I didn't want to give away too much about your I have character. Not seen, I have not seen that yet. Oh, no. what would you think? Uh, well, I, I think the best parts are missing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I mean, that's just kind of the middle of the scene. Your your ma- your manager gave me that clip, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> she is actually, so fired. Actually, a- she's very nice. Uh, AMC gave that to her, so that was the, the okay. one we, we showed. But you you can tell them. Well, so should we tell the audience that they have to go watch it and they can decide if there are better yes. clips that should be I think up so. there? Yeah, you got to do okay, that. Okay, good. Okay, good. Um, well, you know what else the audience can see because you're here. You sing live, and um, I was wondering if, if you and your lovely wife, who is in a play upstairs at the public, if you guys would be... Southern Comfort, that's correct. It's all sold out, so don't get your tickets. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was wondering if you guys would be willing to play a song, uh, perhaps from a movie you helped write. Yes. And um, you received an Academy Award nod yep. for. Um, I know you've received Grammy wins, but this is... Uh, I don't know, my favorite. So I was wondering if you would sing this song. We will. Please welcome Annette O'Toole. You may recognize her from Smallville. You may recognize her from many other places. Um, And here she is with Michael McKean. Thank you so much. This is the song that we wrote. You keep that country twang from, One your, of them. from your upstairs gig. Yeah, I just yeah. came from up there. I'm playing a man. I am. Oh, yes. 
When the veil of dreams has lifted and the fairy tales have all been told, there's a kiss at the end of the rainbow, more precious than a pot of gold. In tales of ancient glory. Every knight and maiden fair shall be joined when the quest is over, and the kiss is the oath that they swear. And, and when, when the veil of dreams has lifted, and the fairy tales have all been told, there's a at the end of the rainbow More precious than a part of gold My sweet, my dear, my darling You're so far away from me Though an ocean of tears divides us let the bridge of our love span the sea And when the veil of dreams has lifted And the fairy tales have all been told There's a kiss at the end of the rainbow More precious than a part of Superstar, this is a mirror for you to hold up. Recognition at last. Because you are so deft at both music and acting. Um, I don't know if you've read Telegraph oh, Avenue by my Michael Shavon, but I'm so glad. And some chocolate. Um, I hope you guys will come back out for the award ceremony, but I'm so blessed and privileged to have you here. So thank you very, very, very much. That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. Thank you to Alex Seiner from Superfine Audio. Thanks to all of you for listening. I want to thank everyone who has been donating and uh, following on Twitter at Katie Lazarus. Um, my ability to be able to grow as a talk show requires being liked. Doesn't this feel like middle school all over again? It does. But I like you, and if you like me, well, we can you know do something more meaningful. But in addition, uh, getting involved in some way would mean a great deal. So if you have a chance, please do uh, like us on uh, Facebook or YouTube or at Katie Lazarus or iTunes or wherever it is you go to express your gratitude these days virtually. Uh, I want to thank you for listening. Much more importantly, I wish you the very best of days. What's it? If it's an evening, well, then a good evening. 
I mean, I don't think it was so complicated. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.